The following is a presentation of the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Big 12 era has begun, and BYU Cougars football is on the air. Keaton Slovis sets and fires, and has Keanu Hill in the end zone for the touchdown. We are two hours away from kickoff, and it's time to get you ready for the matchup with Cougar Pregame Live. Cougar Pregame Live is brought to you by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Cougar Pregame Live is also brought to you by Tucano's Brazilian Grill. Phenomenal flavors, a festive setting, and more fun than you can shake a skewer at. Also by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Now, to get you ready for today's game, alongside Hans Olsen, here's your host, Jason Shepard. Good evening, BYU fans. Welcome into Mountain America Credit Union Cougar Pregame Live. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Tonight, the BYU Cougars return home for their first Big 12 home game as they face fellow newcomer, the Cincinnati Bearcats. My name is Jason Shepard. Thank you so much for joining us for BYU football. Do not tell me, ladies and gentlemen, that miracles do not happen. Joining me out here in Cougar Canyon, west of the stadium, there is a story behind this. My man, Hans Olsen, is here. Uh, the freeways are crazy. So if you're thinking about leaving a little bit later to get out to this game, I would suggest you get on the road right now because I sat in the same spot on I-15 for about 40 minutes. I text Shep. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know if this is going to happen. Shep said, well, I'm going to start the prayers. I started calling on Lavelle's miracles. I'm like, come on, Lavelle. You've never let me down, Lavelle. Lavelle never let us down. Like anything that Lavelle dreamed up, it was going to happen. Let so me, let me tell people it's a miracle. 45 minutes ago, you were at Pioneer Crossing and I 15. Yeah. 45 minutes ago on a Friday, heading south and still had to go east to get to the stadium. <laughs> and you made it before we went live. Um, to the three dogs, the two cats, to the old people that I cut off, and a couple of cars that I might have bumped, to the cops that let me go in the uh, in, in the HOV lane. I just appreciate everybody's willingness to kind of give me some leeway on that. But, no, it was, uh, it was great. And, you know, Shep, this is not the type of day that you can be late on. This is not the type of day that you can miss a pregame show. This is what college football is all about, my brother. This is a big-time matchup. It is a Big 12 game. It's right here in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. This is everything we've waited for. How long have you and I waited for something like this? It's honestly, this. there are so many things this year that we've talked about as the first. And how big is this? This is so huge yeah, to be big. hosting BYU's first Big 12 Conference home game. And look, all of the teams, all of the newcomers lost in their first game. So all of them 0 for 4. This game tonight precedes the others tomorrow. The winner tonight will forever be the team out of the newcomers that got the first conference win. Yeah. It's a lot on the line tonight. That's a big deal. Oh, it's a big deal, man. Across the board, this is all the big deal, and it's just exciting to think that we finally get that Big 12 conference matchup in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. You know, we go back to the night, 
Shep, where we were out on that stage and it was the midnight thing and we're all waiting to be official members of the Big 12 and the excitement that carried from there that carried into Kansas while we sat up in the booth and the booth was absolutely packed full of excitement and you had that near loss to Kansas. It was BYU had it in their grasp, a near loss to Kansas, but you carry that energy now. You come back to Provo, the comfort of your home, the comfort of your fans. But, by the way, have been stirred up a little bit. <laughs> I think BYU's fandom has been challenged just a little bit by a former Utah State Aggie that's currently playing with Cincinnati that said, ah, no, I, look, I played in that Lavelle Edwards era. I've seen that stadium. It's nothing compared to what Cincinnati fans bring. It, I think the fan base is stirred up, and they're ready to make it really difficult for this Cincinnati well, it's team. Well, it's time to prove that statement wrong tonight. The good news is, now, granted, what's, what happened in 2015 and 2016 has no bearing on what happens tonight on the field at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. However, because we are in, a, in an age where everybody wants to know numbers, BYU is 2-0. and against Cincinnati they won in Provo in 2015 they won in Cincinnati at Nippert Stadium in 2016 so the good news is BYU has a history of having success against this team now the difference is completely new staff new head coach new coordinators so all of that is new the good news is BYU earlier in the week which really surprised me and I'm curious your take on this was a home underdog, yeah. which I thought, quite frankly, was a slap in the face. But now BYU has jumped back up and are now a one-point favorite. Right. It's it's incredible just to see the ebbs and flows of, of favorites and, and dogs. And it feels like the energy has just been going back and forth. And let me tell you, Shep, you brought it up. You brought it up, Shep. This is a completely different team, and it all starts with their staff. Yeah. And by the way, when you go back to Scott Satterfield, and you're talking about Cincinnati's head coach, Scott Satterfield, and what he did with Louisville, and the staff that he's now compiled and brought to Cincinnati, I think that this is his dream team. I think he went to Cincinnati and said, okay, you ready for big big boy football? Well, then I need money to go get my big boy staff. And he wouldn't put together, I think, his dream team. He got Brian Brown, who was his defensive coordinator with Louisville, that Shep, this guy dominated at Louisville last year. 2022 he led the country in sacks he put 50 sacks out on the field with louisville just last year he was also fourth in fourth down efficiency he only allowed 19 percent conversion rate on fourth downs last year for louisville he was third in takeaways he had 30 takeaways 30 turnovers that he forced last year he had uh, he was eighth in tackles for a loss. They racked up 97 tackles for a loss. He was 11th in scoring defense at 19.2, 14th in interceptions, 24th in total defense, only allowing 330 yards. So that's who Scott Satterfields goes out and gets for his defense coordinating. Which, by the way, Aaron Roderick said this week, the Cincinnati defense is the best defense they will have faced this season so far, and it's by far the best D-line they'll have faced. Well, I can tell you this from a perspective, just from a blocking perspective, out of all the defenses I've watched, this is the, the defense I don't want to have to block against. There's so many shifting parts, and we'll talk more about that as we get going. But then he goes out and he gets his offensive coordinator. Brad Glenn is a 29-year coaching vet. 
He was with Virginia Tech in 2022, but he was offensive coordinator with Georgia State. When Georgia State was doing all that crazy, innovative offensive stuff, that was Brad Glenn. And so Cincinnati has gone out. They've got their staff. They went out and got their transfer portal. I just mentioned uh, Grisiak, who is a great defensive end, and about five or six other key components to the offensive and defensive sides of this ball. So to your point, it is. This is a completely different team, but they've got the pieces to be very good. They're better than a 2-2 and team right now. Yeah, no question. Here's what this is going to boil down to, and this is on the BYU side of things. Still talking about the run game. It's week five, and you're going to get into a little bit more on the run game coming up in X's and Olsen, but it's still something. Right now, BYU is averaging 61 rushing yards per game. Cincinnati right now averaging 215. That has to change. The coaches have talked about it. They know it has to change. You've said it. The coaches have said it. The players have said it. It is fixable. Tonight would be a fantastic night to finally get that going, if for no other reason than to take some of the pressure off of the shoulders of Keaton Slovis. Yeah. So, Shep, I was, I've been thinking about this all day, and we are going to get into some of the inefficiencies and where BYU needs to get better with the run game. But, my wife really struggles to get me to do the dishes. I do a lot of things well. Okay. I, I really do. I, I think I'm a pretty good husband. And I'm just not a dishes guy. And she keeps coming to me like, hey, can you do the dishes? And I'm like, oh, well, I'll go do the lawn really well. Or I, I can, I can I'll, I'll fold the laundry really well. I just, I hate getting grime under my fingernails. I hate palm olive dish soap. It dries out my fingers. <laughs> I like my hands soft. And so I'm not a dishes guy. So what I try to do is excel at other areas, and I think that that's what BYU's offense really has to start to do. Because if it's not there, stop pushing it. Right. If I'm not good at dishes and I just hate getting cracked hands, let me be really good at some other things. And I think Aaron Roderick might have to start to think outside the box just a touch. I'm not saying air raid offense, but you're putting it in Slovis's hands until you feel like you've got some semblance of run game. There's some broken parts. Again, we'll get into this more specifically. There's some broken parts that I think can be fixed. Until then, let Roderick be really good at mowing the lawn. There you go. Let him be really good at, at folding the laundry. You know what? In fact, we are... We are going to do X's and Olsen next. Uh, Dan Horde is the voice of the Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, he is on the team bus, which is actually a little bit late right now. So we're going to push his segment down at least one segment. Coming up on the other side, we're going to get into that rushing attack or lack thereof for BYU in X's and Olsen. We'll take a quick break. This is Mountain America Credit Union Cougar pregame live. We're coming to you live from Cougar Canyon outside Lavelle Edwards Stadium as we get ready for BYU's first Big 12 Conference home game. It is a night to celebrate. It is a night to get a victory, and we're talking about it next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's Jason Shepard. BYU Cincinnati coming your way tonight. Kickoff set for just after 8.15 p.m. Mountain Time. Welcome back outside Lavelle Edwards Stadium. An absolutely gorgeous night. No clouds, blue skies, temperatures. By the time kickoff happens, I think it's supposed to be 
mid-70s. Like, you could not ask yeah. for better weather as we near October for a football game tonight. This is so perfect. I, You know, just having it be a Big 12 matchup yep. and all the energy that surrounds it, I'm struggling not throwing a helmet on. <laughs> but it really does make me so glad that I have an opportunity to be in the booth yep. and be as close to this game as I can and at least put my energy and my excitement with every play into it because it's just that night where the lights will come on, the fans are going to be absolutely frenetic. It's going to be high level, and I'm glad to be a part of it. It's time to get to X's and Olsen, and we were talking about it in the previous segment, the running game, and just trying to figure out why it has not clicked like we all expected it to heading in. So I mentioned it. You believe it's fixable. The coaches think it's fixable. The players believe it's fixable. What's the film showing? Okay, so, Shep, it – it, it is fixable. It's got fixable elements to it. And everybody needs to improve. And I actually brought some film with me to show you in the break because I actually want to present this to you so you can see what I'm looking at. Okay, before you get to that, let's quickly welcome those that are joining us now in progress on KSL News Radio. This is Cougar Pregame Live, Jason Shepard. And Hans Olsen, and Hans is about to uh, go right now and explain the uh, the rushing woes of the BYU Cougars. Okay, so the first thing that they need to absolutely hammer down and fix is the backside blocking in the run game. And it's a simple fix. There are some little tweaks that you can add in. When you're taking zone steps in that center is taking a play side step. The one technique or the guy that's just the inside shoulder of the guard on the backside of the play He's getting penetration off the backside, and he's either making the run bubble or he's making the tackle off the backside. It's very simple, Ship. You just go to the center. You go to Paul Miley, and you say, Paul, I want you to either delay or I want you to take a backside step. I want you to jab that one technique or jab that two technique. Today is a nose tackle, so he's going to have a lot of head up. So what I'm asking the guard to do now is to push the center off the hip and make sure that that nose tackle is sealed at the line of scrimmage until that guard on the backside can take over the nose tackle so that I as the center can now get up to the next line. But make sure that that guy does not make a backside tackle. And then make sure you seal the backside end because what they like to do is they scoot that four technique down as tight as they can on that on that three down lineman they like to slide that four technique in as much as they can and he'll pursue off the backside and then they have um they actually have a linebacker that is called the dog linebacker that dog linebacker is going to kind of sit in a two-point stance and he's going to try to fire off the backside and make a tackle off the backside so what i'm telling what i'm begging and it's it's small tweaks what I'm begging this offensive line to do, what I'm begging Coach Funk to do, is make sure that the backside is sealed up. Don't let the backside cause any more problems. Seal it up. And if you've got to leave the center on the backside, leave the center on the backside and man up the play side end or man up the play side D tackle when they do go to that four-man front. So there, there are things that you can do blocking scheme-wise to improve that. I actually like the play side blocking. The play side blocking on the film has showed pretty well. So you're getting some movement. The problem is now you're getting linebackers that aren't picked up off the play side, and they're scraping in and making the tackle. So make sure you're able to get to that next level on the play side to pick up the linebackers. And then L.J. Martin has missed a couple of seams. Yeah, I, I, don't, I do not want him to get out of this free and clear. He's missed some seams. So go back to L.J. and say, L.J., what, 
okay, why did you continue to flow with the zone? Why did you get on the back of the tackle? The seam opened up between the guard and the tackle. If you were just a little bit more delayed, you could have cut there. And he could say, well, I'm getting that backside pressure, and I'm kind of trying to flow away from the backside. Okay, oh, no, 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 stop. LJ, we're taking care of the backside pressure this week. Don't worry that you've got to flow. Take your time, find the gap, and hit it. The backside will be sealed off, I promise you. And if he doesn't trust that and he continues to flow and gets outside of that zone step, then you just got to go to him and say, hey, look, we're going to try Dion. Right. We're going to try somebody else. We need somebody that can delay and hit the gap. So there's some on LJ. And then finally, and I'm going to show you some of this film in the break, Shep. Finally, Kansas defensively had some tips. They had some ideas. They were running a five-man lopsided defense. They were putting five men on the right side of the ball, and BYU was trying to run counter to the weak side into a five-man defensive set. The long or the short of that, or the short of the long of that, Shep, (laughs) is when you've got four blockers, you can't run to a side that has five defenders. And that's what they were trying to do a couple times against Kansas. They were trying to pull the guard and the tackle. They were slamming down the play side guard, play side center. So you had the tackle, you had the two pullers, and sometimes you had the play side guard to help. You can't do that. You If you've got a numbers issue, Slovis has to be able to audible out of the numbers issue or the numbers uh, disadvantage. He's got to be able to say to LJ or somebody, hey, we're going to rotate this. We're getting out of this. We're going to go quick slants. Anything. You have to audible out of it, but you cannot run into a defense that's got five defenders where you've got four blockers. So understand that. So everybody, so small little things yes. that are starting to add up game after game. Exactly, exactly, and fixable things, things that you can fix. That's yeah. why I continue to say it on Twitter. I continue to say it on my show. It is fixable, Shep. It's as simple as me coming to you and just saying, hey, Shep, when we get into break, if you could give kind of a, a heads up on this sponsor, and you're saying, oh, okay. I mean, that's, that's how fixable this is. Yeah. You go to the center and you say, hey, make sure that you're just sticking on the backside. You're delaying that hand until that guard absolutely has that backside de-tackle. So we can, at a minimum, we can get four yards at a minimum. Yeah. Well, and, and you've talked about on the broadcast, look, I mean, and this is, this is everybody recognizes this. When you can pick up yardage, not, not, even, not even six or seven yards, but four or five yards, even sometimes three yards on first down, and just be able to not put yourself in a second and long, in a third and long, where oh, your play man. calling becomes very predictable, it changes everything. Uh, it's such a killer. And right now, BYU is struggling in their third down offense. They're 115th in the country in their third down offense. They're converting on 33%, Shep. They've had 54 third down attempts. They've converted on 18 of those. And Greg was actually doing some numbers on the downs and distance on third down. It's your first down that is slaughtering your third down conversion. You have got to improve. It has got to be a four-yard chunk. And they can do it. They can do it against Cincinnati. And you know what? If I'm one of these BYU offensive linemen right now, I am so challenged, I'm triggered. I am triggered by uh, the words that came from Trevor Maddich. I am triggered by the words that come from me. I am triggered by my offensive line coach. I, I am triggered by the, the perception. I'm triggered by nine yards against Kansas yeah. last week. And I am set and ready to go off, and I am begging for the run game. But, but like I said, if, if I'm not good at dishwashing, <laughs> I'm going to go mow the lawn. 
and, and I'm afraid that Aaron Roderick might come and try to do the dishes for a minute. And he's like, ah, no, I forgot. This sucks. Let's go mow the lawn. And so you might get away from it before you even realize it's gotten better. If we've learned anything, we've learned it's time for the BYU offense to wash the dishes. You need to drop that on the broadcast tonight. It is time to wash wash the the dishes. dishes. (laughs) There we go. All right, the Cincinnati Bearcats, they have made it. Their bus is here, hoping to be joined by Dan Horde, the voice of the Cincinnati Bearcats, as well as the Cincinnati Bengals. After he calls tonight's game, he's going to be flying to Tennessee to call the NFL game this weekend against the Titans. So we're hoping uh, to have him on the broadcast coming up next. This is Cougar Pregame Live brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Hans Olsen for more Cougar Pregame Live. Brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to Cougar Canyon outside Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It is Cougar Pregame Live brought to you by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. It's the Cougars. It's the Bearcats. It's a cat fight tonight in Provo, Utah. And the winner of tonight's game is going to be the first of the four newcomers to pick up their very first Big 12 victory. And look, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's that's a big, that's something that's a, a feather in your cap that you can uh, that you can put in there that say that of all the newcomers and every single one of them started uh, with a loss last weekend. You're, gonna, you're the first one to get a win. That's some bragging rights. Well, when all the kids, the, the new kids show up at school, you know, you got some transfers and kids come in and they want to make a really good impression. Well, you got a couple new kids that come into the school and they're trying to show who's who. And there were a lot of people that gave BYU the heads up on this. I was talking with Brian Estridge, who is the play-by-play voice for TCU, and he said, yeah, I feel like BYU is the most likely to come in in a nice transition and get some early wins and look like they fit. Well, tonight is the night to prove that. I totally agree with them. I think BYU's ready. They just got to engage on it tonight. What's the matchup that you're most interested in following tonight? Is it is it BYU's offense versus the D-line? It, it, what's What are you focusing in on tonight? Well, it, it, this it, I see the little – just the dumb little things. I, I really do. Uh, my big thing tonight is watching the safeties. The safeties have got to be on their spots. The safeties have given up too many big plays and too many big moments. And Cincinnati Cincinnati's is, got some or Cincinnati's got some big time playmakers. Cincinnati's going to get past the second line of defense. Yes. So when you're at depth now as a safety, and you've got a couple of different safeties that are going to be out there trying to get this done. With Ethan Slade, Tanner Wall, you're going to see some Raider DeMooney. You're, you're going to see a group of guys that has to be on the spot to get those big plays stopped. Kansas in the second half of that game got too many big plays going downhill. These safeties today have to be physical, and they have to hit the outside gaps. They have to be physical, and they've got to pick up tight ends that come out in the flats. They've got to be able to make those tackles and stop the big gains. So it's the, it's one of the stupid little details that makes all the difference. You saw the very first defensive set for BYU against Arkansas. There was a safety miscue. The safety took the wrong angle, and he wasn't there to make the tackle. And we have not seen him on a field since that moment. And I don't believe it's injury-related. 
So you've got to be able to make your tackles and you've got to get to your spots against a Cincinnati team like this. So safeties, you play a huge role tonight. You have to be on your spots. You've got to use your speed and you've got to be ready to crack your head in half because Cincinnati comes downhill and you have to be able to make those tackles. Well, the side or the position that I'm paying most attention to is one we've talked a lot about already, and that is the running back position. I'm hoping that tonight is the night that things get figured out and the rushing attack that we expected coming into the year is what we see tonight. And you are going to hear from one of those running backs, Deion Smith, is this week's subject for Shep Talk, and you'll hear our conversation coming up next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's Jason Shepard. If you're not down here and seeing this live, you got to see my partner here. Hans is, honestly, Hans is ready to hit someone, and I mean that in the football way, not like he's looking to punch somebody in the face. I, Although that may that happen, that may happen as well. I don't it might, but uh, punt or die just came by. James, <laughs> yeah, James die. Just came by. One of my old teammates and one of my favorite teammates all time. You guys, all BYU fans, remember the punt or die le- uh, legacy. And James Dye, one of the greatest BYU Cougars of all time. And he stopped by and just hugging my old teammate just about 100 yards away from where we used to bleed and sweat together. And the perfect night like yeah. you just painted. And all the fans and excitement. So, yeah, I'm trying to contain myself a little bit. All right, well, uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit. You'll hear from Deion Smith in the next segment. Joining us now uh, is the voice of the Cincinnati Bearcats, also the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals. His name is Dan Hoare. Dan, thank you so much for taking a few minutes uh, to join us tonight. We appreciate it. So let's start here. Um, The offense has struggled over the last two weeks. What's happening or maybe not happening consistently on that side of the ball because you look at the you look at the talent the, the talent's there what what hasn't been happening the last couple of weeks i joked on our coach's radio show this week that if the field were 95 yards cincinnati would be the best team in the country they can't score <laughs> in the low red zone and when you hear red zone you think all right 20 yards and in it's not that for cincinnati it's five yards and in in the last two weeks they've had five possessions where they didn't score after getting inside the 10-yard line. You can't win if you can't even get three points when you get that low, and unfortunately that's been the case the last couple of weeks for UC. Help us understand what it is that is slowing them down in the red zone. Is it self-inflicted? Are there penalties? Are there turnovers? What What's really causing the problems in the red zone? Yes, 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 and yes. All of the things you've mentioned, it's been a little bit of everything. There have been some questionable play calls. There have been some turnovers. There have been situations where the line got pushed back. There have been running backs that have taken the wrong path where you can see from our angle that, geez, just go that way, and it's easy to walk into the end zone. So it's been a little bit of everything. If it was one thing, you could fix it, right? But when it's a little bit of everything over the course of two weeks, that makes it that much more challenging uh, to rectify. Talking with Dan Horde, the voice of the Cincinnati Bearcats. Dan, I thoroughly enjoyed talking with Coach Satterfield at Big 12 Media Days. Look, I'm also a sucker for a, for a southern accent, so maybe that also played into it, but I really enjoyed our conversation. How has he been received overall? 
pretty well. You know, he's got gigantic size 19 triple E shoes to fill, trying to replace Luke Fickle, who's the greatest coach in the University of Cincinnati has ever had and is probably going to win a national championship at some point at Wisconsin. So that makes it tough. Plus, they're moving up in conference. The Big 12 is much more challenging than the American Athletic Conference was. I would like to think most of our fan base understands that. I remind them from time to time that Luke Fickle did go 4-8 and eight in his first season before things really took off. But Scott Satterfield is a good dude. The players love him. His coaching staff loves him. I'm enjoying working with him. You're right about the southern accent. I think he's kind of uh, sounds like he's from Mayberry. Uh, which is kind of interesting in Cincinnati. But uh, I do, uh, I have a lot of optimism that over the course of a few years, he's going to do a really nice job. Well, it feels like he's found a really good fit with Brad Glenn out of Virginia Tech. And it feels like Brad Glenn has found a really nice connection with Emory Jones, the quarterback. Also, transfer, he is a bit of a journeyman coming out of Arizona State, I believe Florida before. Talk a little bit about what you're seeing from Emory Jones and some of the goods and some of the bads that you may have seen with him. Emory's a lot like Keaton Slovis. He was one of the top recruited quarterbacks in the country coming out of high school in Alabama. He eventually chose Florida, where he was behind Kyle Trask initially. No shame there. Kyle Trask was a second-round NFL draft pick. Then Emory Jones won the starting job, played reasonably well, but when he had the bad game or a bad half, they plugged Anthony Richardson in, And then he became Anthony Richardson, the fourth pick in this year's draft. So through no fault of his own, he just happened to be there at the same time as a couple of really good quarterbacks. Didn't get a ton of opportunities. So he transferred to Arizona State last year, and they fired the head coach three games into the season. So that was a mess. So with one year of eligibility left, Emory Jones looked for the right opportunity where, A, he would have a legitimate chance to start, and, B, the offense would suit his skill set. He is a dual-threat quarterback. He went looking for an offense that utilized that. And Scott Satterfield at Louisville for the last four years had Malik Cunningham as his quarterback, who might have been one of the great dual-threat quarterbacks of all time. He had 70 touchdown passes and 50 touchdown runs, which is hard to do. He scored more combined uh, passing and rushing touchdowns at Louisville than Lamar Jackson did. So Emory Jones developed a friendship with Malik Cunningham. Cunningham said, go to Cincinnati. It's perfect for you. And I think he's played reasonably well. If not for those red zone failures the last couple of weeks, I think people around the country would be saying, hmm, take a look at Emory Jones. It looks like he's found the right spot. Dan, all of the newcomers to the Big 12 this year still searching for their first win. Someone's going to get theirs tonight. We obviously here in Provo and, and around, you know, the BYU program know what this means to BYU. What does this move up and joining the Big 12 Conference mean to Cincinnati? I think it was a lifesaver, quite honestly, more because of the TV money than anything else. Obviously, the uh, exposure and the big-time opponents helps. But let's face it, if you don't have big-time TV revenue coming into your program in this day and age, it's not sustainable. You've got to pay the coaches like like the Power Five does. Uh, You've got to have all the, the expenses with NIL and everything else. And in Cincinnati's case, they were getting $7 million a year from TV from the American Athletic Conference. That's going to jump to above $30 million a year in the Big 12. And that's not a one-time payment. That's annually an extra 20 some million dollars 
at, at least uh, pouring into your athletic department year after year after year. So I do think it was a lifesaver for the University of Cincinnati, and it came at just the right time because they've been competing at the highest level, and I think moving into the Big 12 will allow them to continue to do that. Well, they've been competing, and they've been spending, too. I talked about Brad Glenn as a great offensive coordinator, but I think one of my favorite acquisitions was Brian Brown on the defensive coordinating side of things. Shep and I already talked about some of his defensive numbers with Louisville and some of his experience and what he brings to the table. Young, innovative defensive coordinator that makes it really difficult to pick up a six-man rush. I saw some of those six-man rush that he was calling against Oklahoma. But I want you to talk specifically, what is the best aspect of brian brown's defense right now in your opinion i think he's one of the best young defensive coaches in the country and you you hit on some of the reasons why he's very innovative in terms of his blitz packages opposing teams have a hard time of figuring out who's coming and where they're coming from uh he's young the players love him he was an interesting you know his personal story is interesting not only did he play college football he was a college point guard uh, at Ole Miss. So he did both at the highest level, uh, which I think gives him a lot of credibility with the the, you know, the young man on his side. Uh, the whole thing is interesting where Scott Satterfield is concerned, too, because he took less money than he was offered personally so that his staff could get more. They had an assistant coach's pool. They had an amount set aside for the head coach. Scott Satterfield said, you know what, I'll take a little bit less if we can put that into the assistant's pool that's how you keep a guy like Brian Brown. That's how you get Brad Glenn to come from Virginia Tech to Cincinnati. That's how you keep their special teams coordinator, uh, Kerry Combs, on the staff. He had been with Luke Fickle. He's a tremendous recruiter. It's very important to keep him. So I give a lot of uh, credit to Scott Satterfield for his willingness to do that. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. I, I don't know if it's a gift. I don't know what you call it, but I, I have this ear for – uh, voices like play-by-play voices so this entire interview i've just constantly heard <laughs> Bengals highlights in my head uh, it has been an absolute pleasure uh to talk with you thank you so much for joining us and have a great call tonight thanks dan thank you very much Th- thanks for having me on i appreciate it you bet that is the great dan horde he is the voice of the bearcats as well as the cincinnati Bengals. we will take a break when we come back we will let you hear from running back Dion Smith, the former Colorado Buffalo. My conversation with him in Shep Talk coming your way next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's Jason Shepard. Welcome back. The 3-1 BYU Cougars taking on the 2-2 Cincinnati Bearcats tonight from Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Shep and Hans with you. BYU running back Deion Smith came to Provo from Boulder, Colorado, where he led the Buffaloes in rushing last season. The Houston native has a rushing and receiving touchdown this season, and he is this week's subject I'm Shep Talk. I asked Dion how nice it's been to be able to get back after, get right back at it on the field after a loss. It's very exciting, you know, just because of the fact that we get to come back out here, get back to work, you know, um, focus on our mistakes. And, you know, we have another opportunity to even the slate and just 
you know, respond. So I, I'm very excited about it. And, you know, like you said, it's a quicker, much quicker turnaround and we don't have to wait all the way to Saturday. Look, I realize everyone is going to handle every situation differently. For you, how quickly can you put a loss behind you and move ahead to the next task? It's kind of like, you know, like next play mentality. There was obviously a lot of plays that we left out there on the field and we're three and one and we still haven't played our best yet. You know, so, you know, the biggest thing is not letting yesterday affect today. You know, for me, it's just about, you know, living the moment, being the moment. And, you know, once it becomes the past, you know, it's just quickly moving on and looking forward to whatever we have next. So how much confidence does that give you? You guys are three and one, which is a really good start to the season. I know you want to be four, no, but you're three and one and you still haven't played your best. How much confidence does that give you guys to know how much growth there still is? Yeah, that gives us a lot of confidence. And, you know, it just it just brings us in closer together because we know that we've yet to hit on all cylinders. And we know that once we do hit on all cylinders, there's no one that can stop us, you know, from SEC teams to even teams in the Big 12. So for us, you know, it's a big confidence booster because we know we've had success without even hitting on all cylinders yet. So it's just a lot of reassurance and it just lets us know, you know, we're a lot better than a lot of people expect and we might even be a lot better than we think sometimes how do you not allow the frustration where the running game is now it's struggling right now how do you not allow the frustration to keep that from turning into what you want it to be if you dwell on the negativity or you dwell on the past or you dwell on the things that you can't do you can't really work and and strive to become successful in the things that you know you desire to be successful in so if we just steady thinking about you know the last few weeks and what we weren't able to do in the run game i feel like it doesn't lead to productivity i feel like what leads to production is you know just having that positive outlook and that optimism just knowing that look running the ball is an 11-man deal you know from up front to receivers blocking to quarterback to running back running on the right path so whenever we're all bought in and we're all on the same page It'll work, and we know we have the guys here to do it. We know we have the old line to do it, and we know we have the backs to do it. So it's just a matter of time, honestly. Having come from a P5 program, you obviously know what what that environment is like. But for Friday night, it's the first home P5 game for BYU in the Big 12. What type of atmosphere do you expect? Because I'm thinking it's going to be nuts. Yeah, electric. And, you know, it's bigger than any stage that we've ever seen before. Anyone can win week to week, regardless of what the odds say, what the spreads say. You know, we were playing a bunch of Power 5 teams, a lot of guys in this conference that are really talented. And, you know, just because another team has the advantage doesn't necessarily mean they're they're deemed to win. You know, so we got to come out there with our best foot forward and ready to strike and play four quarters long. Hey, and with you guys playing early, now all four of the newcomers started Big 12 play with a loss. You would have the opportunity to be the first win if you get the win Friday of all the newcomers coming yeah. to the Big 12. Is that, a, is that a big deal to you? Yeah, definitely. And that's something I feel like I need to go tell my whole team because I don't <laughs> think we saw it from that perspective. But that will definitely get a lot of guys going because we looked at last week as our first opportunity, our first opener in the Big 12. And obviously we didn't play how we wanted to. We didn't even start the game how we wanted to. So we kind of got that, that, that extra chance to go out there and do it. And doing it on Friday means we can be the first ones to do it. So I feel like that's something I got to go around and tell everybody <laughs> just to make sure we all know. <laughs> A-Rod had said that in looking at the film, he thinks that the Cincinnati defense is probably the best you will have faced to this point. Coach A-Rod talked about D-line has been really, really difficult. What has stood out to you about the Bearcat defense? 
defense? Yeah, I feel like they're very stout up front. By far the best defensive line we, we're, we're going to face. And honestly, I might feel, I feel like it's the best D-line we might face all, all season. You know, for us, it's doing whatever we can to establish the run game. And, you know, we, we feel pretty confident that even though this is the best D-line that we've seen, we can have success once we just do the things that we know we're capable of doing. So defensively-wise, you know, they're going to be great up front. They're going to be good at stopping the run, you know, but it's a challenge, and we have to come up and step up for the challenge. So, How's your BYU experience been for you so far? It's been good. You know, um, I couldn't be more happier to be in blue. I, I, I wish I was in blue sooner. <laughs> um, but this place is definitely home. And, you know, I love everything about it from the people to the culture to the coaches to Coach Kalani. You know, I, I wouldn't want to be, you know, behind a, a better leader. You know, so I love BYU. I love it here. And, you know, I'm just excited to. You know, spend more time here and leave my legacy here whatever way that I possibly can. Your former team has become quite the, the talk of college football. How much do you pay attention to that? Or is it you're in the season, this is what I'm focused on? Yeah, I'm kind of in season, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit in tunnel, tunnel vision mode right now. I don't even think too far past this Friday, and I don't think too far in the past. So, you know, I'm more of in a tunnel vision mode, and I'm a little bit focused on, you know, what's right here in front of me. But, you know, I feel like they've been having some success, you know. And I feel like I've been more focused on, you know, us having some success and getting things done in the in the run game and, you know, offensively altogether. Good answer. And if the coaches are hearing this, they're going to love hearing that answer. All right, Dion, let's wrap things up with the final four questions. What's your favorite ice cream flavor and when was the last time you had it? Uh, cookies and cream about three weeks ago from, um, I got it downtown Provo. I don't even know the name of the place anymore. Cookies and cream for sure, for certain. Are you a dog person or a cat person? Dog, definitely, without a doubt. Cats kind of scare me a little because I feel like they're capable of a lot, and they <laughs> they don't really care about their <laughs> they don't really care about nothing besides what they want. So I'm definitely a dog person. Okay, this sounds like there's a story behind that. Did you have a bad encounter with a cat growing up? I've seen a cat go from some very high distances <laughs> in a very quick amount of time. So <laughs> I don't really trust cats too much. <laughs> okay, you're only allowed to subscribe to one streaming service which one do you choose oh that's a tough one but i'm gonna say hulu just because i can watch football because hulu has live sports if you didn't know <laughs> this guy's making commercials over here i love it <laughs> all right last question what does it mean to you to be a part of byu's first p5 season in the big 12 you know i feel like this is history in the making uh, i couldn't be more honored to to be here and i couldn't be more honored to you know be a part of this school's history and legacy so it means a very a lot to me and you know that's why i feel like you know i care so much and each week is so you know deeply passionate to me just because of the fact that i know that every week is history and we'll never get this season back we'll never get last week back so you know i want to make this season as as memorable as possible Dion, thank you so much and good luck this friday night should be an exciting one against cincinnati thanks man yes sir thank you that was running back Dion smith this week's edition of shep talk i really enjoyed talking with him he was really fun to talk to and uh, certainly one of uh, one of the guys that uh, looking to get things on track. He and L.J. Martin uh, hopefully can uh, rack up those rushing yards uh, once this game kicks off tonight against Cincinnati. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll have the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, will join us. We'll get an update on some personnel and 
talk about tonight's matchup. That's coming up next as Cougar Pregame Live continues, brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union, official credit union of BYU Athletics. Back after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Hans Olsen for more Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back. We are outside Lavelle Edwards Stadium here in Cougar Canyon. Jason Shepard, Hans Olsen getting ready for the Cougars and the Bearcats. And now joining us on our set is the voice of the BYU Cougars, the one and only Greg Rubel. Hello, Greg. Hello, Jason. Hello, Hans. Hi. Look, we, we, we've already had the drama of hands getting here. <laughs> Look, you and I both sat up in the press box. When we found out where he was and what time it currently was then, there was not a chance in the world he was going to make this on time, and he did. Now, we, we both thought no shot. <laughs> so, well done. I'm not sure how many laws you had to break I told, in how many different cities, but I'm glad you're here. I told Shep, I said, hey, Lavelle has never let me down. And I said, Lavelle, just get me to that stadium on time, man, whatever you got to do. Do you want to hit uh, personnel first? Yeah, let's hit it. After, unfortunately, coming off a loss uh, in a game last week, but also the possibility of losing some players. Where do things stand? Yeah, lost a game and lost starters on both sides of the ball. So uh, Waylon Lapuaho, who's been the starting left guard for BYU, will not play tonight. Uh, Ian Fitzgerald gets his first FBS start, the uh, the, uh, the FCS transfer, Ian Fitzgerald. So you'll see uh, Sue Mataia, Fitzgerald, Miley, Pay, and then either Kime or Etienne at right tackle. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Kime, but I think you could see both guys. At right, as we already have seen that rotation at right tackle. Uh, no Cody Epps. They're not even going to dress him tonight. Uh, they're going to give him a week, another week to get better through the bye week and hope to have him back post-bye at TCU. So no Cody Epps. That's not great news. But uh, the good news is Parker Kingston, who got leveled and knocked out of last week's game, has been cleared and he will play. That's or at least he's available. Great news. Whether he gets on the field or not, we don't know. But he's been cleared and uh, could be even in the kickoff return mix, but Keelan Marion got a lot of those reps this week, and Keelan returned, or at least was the deep returner last week at uh, in Lawrence. The other good news is, as you mentioned, Kingsley Suamatia is out on the field, and there was some worry and concern yeah. coming out of Kansas with that. Yeah, and he's been in and out of games as well with little things, so Kingsley is good to go there. So uh, that's the personnel situation on the offensive side. I wouldn't be surprised if, if you see uh, L.J. Martin and Deion Smith and maybe nobody else at running back besides those two. Uh, defensively, the big news there is the absence of Ben Bywater. Similar deal. Kalani told me not season ending. Hopefully after the bye week he's closer to being ready to go. So Harrison Taggart will get, if they, if they open in a 4-3 or go with a three-linebacker set, Harrison Taggart would get the start at middle linebacker. And then you could see guys like Ammon Hanneman, and Siale Acera make their first appearances of the year. Siale, a highly touted Temp View product. And then uh, Ace Kafusi could also be in the mix as well. So that's where things look at linebacker in the absence of Ben Bywater. Other than that, things look pretty good. Uh, the corners and safeties and D linemen all look healthy and, and good to go. Uh, one theme, I think, emerged in game prep for this week, and that's about, and you've, you've, you've already hit on it, in talking with Dan Horde about Cincinnati's red zone issues. And that's really the, 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 the biggest differentiator right now between these two teams is who's finishing and who's not. So let's talk about how both of these teams uh, go about their business. Cincinnati does what you call busy work. They gain a lot of yards but don't get as uh, enough points out of those yards. And BYU is working smarter, not harder, as they're not gaining a ton of yards, but they are finishing drives with scores. And so that's why you see 
Cincinnati's averaging 31 points a game, and BYU's right there at 30, although in-game, Cincinnati's going up and down, gaining 500 yards a game, tons of possession time. BYU's not that team. Less possession time, fewer yards, but when it's time to score, they do a great job of it. I've seen BYU in seasons where they struggle a little bit in the red zone, but they can move the ball up and down the field. Flip it around. I can't tell you, that is much more nauseating and exhausting than not being able to move the ball around the field a little bit. And you're right, between the 20s, they're so efficient at it. But the good news is, as you mentioned, 15 attempts, 15 scores for BYU. And 12 touchdowns. And 12 touchdowns of the 15 attempts in the red zone. So you got to keep those efficiency numbers up. What is the aspect of BYU's game that's struggling right now that you feel is the easiest to fix? Well, I don't know if it is an easy fix, but BYU's got to find a way to get uh, get more done on first down so that the third down distances become more manageable because it's too high right now. They're averaging a third and nine. That's the average third down. That's, that's, that's too high a number to have the kind of success you want to have. So while, while the red zone numbers are really good and they're throwing the ball well enough, everyone talks about the rush game. Yes, that's got to be a part of it, but it's also it also plays into what I just mentioned. They need to be getting more of those positive gains when they go to the ground on first down. Uh, they can't just be getting you know no gains, minus one, one yard. They've got to find more on those first downs so that that third down number doesn't become or doesn't stay what it is. That's a big one right now for Aaron Roderick. The, the third down number has to be bothering him. He combines them with fourth down numbers, and they're okay there, not great. Uh, but I, th- I still think the third down number is, is, is a real thing that BYU's got to look at. I want to throw a real warning out there uh, for this BYU offense. That second half against Kansas, Kansas made some defensive adjustments. I've talked all day about Brian Brown, the defensive coordinator for Cincinnati. He's brilliant. What he's going to do is he's going to take one or two guys, either Daniel Greshik, the dog linebacker, or he's going to take Deshaun Pace, the star linebacker. By the way, uh, I, I found out from Dan Horde, Deshaun is how he wants to be known. I okay. Deshaun Pace. Deshaun Pace yeah. is either it's either going to be Daniel or Deshaun, and they are going to bracket. They're going to put over the top of Isaac Rex. They're going to put a bracket. They're going to man him. They're going to press him, and they're going to put a guy over top of him. So my warning is don't think that you can come out the gates in this game and do what you did in the first half against Kansas. Because Cincinnati took what Kansas did in the second half, and they're going to apply it to the first half. So be ready for those defensive adjustments. And that defensive coordinator at Louisville last year held Keaton Slovis to his season low in yards, and he threw two picks in that game. This guy is so good. Brian Brown is so good. When I saw him on the roster, I thought, number one, where'd they get the money? Which the play-by-play voice explained to us, (laughs) because Satterfield took less and gave it to his buddy to come over to Cincinnati. And number two, I thought, Oh, boy, here we go. This is a chess match. This is as much intelligence as it is strength and speed because Brian Brown makes it an intelligent game. So be smart out of the gates. Should be a fun one, guys. Friday Night Lights, the Cougs and the Bearcats. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. All right, that's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, Hans Olsen. They will step aside and head upstairs. On the other side, Mitchell Jurgens will join me. We will pause 10 seconds while we switch out uh, the headsets. 10 seconds for stations to identify themselves. This is the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Jason Shepard. 
Mountain America is the official credit union of BYU Athletics. The Cougars and Bearcats, both teams looking for their first Big 12 Conference victory. The winner tonight will be the first of the newcomers to be able to say they got the win first. Joining me now is our sideline reporter, former Cougar receiver. He is Mitchell Jurgens. Hello, Mitchell. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Jason? I'm doing very good. Uh, I, I'm telling you, I love these Friday night games. The weather couldn't be any better. There's a lot on the line for both of these teams. This should be so much fun. Oh, yeah. You know, you say Friday night games. Um, as a player, I, was, I loved it because there's not a lot of games on tonight. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of eyes um, tuning in to this BYU-Cincinnati game. Uh, it's exciting. You couldn't ask for a better night for some college football and, and to finish the month of September. Okay, I want you, this is one of the things that I like to do with you is to put you on the field again. You're a receiver in the game tonight. Take everyone through what responsibilities a receiver has when lining up for a play. We've seen the illegal touching penalty called in all four games so far this year. What what isn't happening here? Take me through what you're looking for to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, Jason, I wish I didn't have to explain this because you know <laughs> it's not it, it's not a penalty I want to keep con- or that BYU fans that we want to continue to see being called. Right. Uh, but but you're right. There there's there's certain things that need to happen. Number one, when the receiver steps on or off the line of scrimmage. Number one, you just got to check it and know what you're supposed to do. Um, and, you know, whether you should be on or off. One thing I want to point out here is is the penalties have been called on. We've seen three against Isaac Rex. Number one, this is not an Isaac Rex issue. Yes. Um, it, the penalty, when it's announced over the PA system, is, you know, Isaac Rex illegal touching. That's not his fault. The fault is the receivers who are covering him up on the line. So as a receiver, you've got to first off understand, am I on or on? Am I off? Um, number two, if you do see an issue, you have to communicate it. Um, one thing that could potentially be happening, happening here is if a receiver steps on or off the line of scrimmage or looks down towards the center where the ball is, and maybe it's like if that receiver's thinking, hey, I'm stepping on the ball, but wait, somebody else is off the ball, on the ball, um, you've got to know, first off, the plays well enough to, to have the confidence to speak up and, and you know, Say, hey, point, back to, up. Yeah, point to your – uh, your other receiver, your tight end, hey, you step off the ball because, and you got to have the confidence to know it. My my worry is that they don't. So if they step on and see someone, oh, wait, he's on, oh, maybe he knows something that I don't, that shouldn't be a problem because um, you should know the, the script. Um, you should know the uh, the plays well enough to, to be able to dictate exactly where you're supposed to be lined up, who's supposed to be, who's supposed to be on and who's supposed to be off the ball. Um, and, and then lastly, you've got to indicate and confirm with the ref um, where you stand. If I'm off the ball, then you're pointing to the ref down the sideline signaling, hey, I'm off the ball. He's going to give you a head nod to ensure, okay, I've got you, you're good. Um, if you don't get that, then he'll probably tell you, hey, if you're signaling you're off the ball, but you're only a foot or two off the line, he may tell you, hey, back up. Um, so you just got to double confirm that. Unfortunately, because BYU's been called so many times, these refs, they're, they're they looking watch, for it. They watch game film as well. So they know that BYU is prone to make some mistakes. And so these receivers have to be buttoned up. This is their issue, not an issue of the tight end, not an issue of Keaton Slovis. This is on the receivers, and it's up to them. All right, it's time to break the streak of, of four. Now, it was called last week. The penalty was not accepted because there was a bigger penalty that Kansas wanted instead. Yeah. So even though the penalty 
was not enforced, it still was a penalty last week. Yeah, in, ter- in terms of, we saw it again. We should have never heard it over the PA system. That's, that's <laughs> yes. where we're getting at, Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. So we're a third of the way through the season, which is pretty crazy when you think about that. What have you learned about this 3-1 BYU team? You know, we're learning a lot. I think the number one thing is, despite some, you know, early season, um, you know, mistakes, um, things that we're all identifying as, as opportunities for BYU to improve, this team competes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're resilient, in my opinion. You go back to Arkansas, they found themselves in two 10-point or double-digit deficits, and they fight back twice. That's hard to do mentally and physically as a player. So the fact that they were able to do that, come out victorious in that game, I mean, this team is going to compete regardless of what's, whatever's happening um, throughout the game that may be a setback. Um, we even saw it a little bit at Kansas as well. They found themselves uh, down early on. BYU then fights back, gets up at halftime, um, unfortunately couldn't finish in that game and come out on top. But something that I'm, I'm witnessing and learning about this team is they will compete and fight back, which, is, which I think is incredible. Um, uh, so maybe one of the concerns uh, that we've seen is how injuries are, are – playing a toll on the defense um, this is a different uh, you know different aspect of what I was talking about before um, depth is is becoming a problem but it doesn't have to be there's an opportunity for these players to step up and make an impact um, by getting an opportunity to play and we're seeing a lot of people I mean today you heard it Ben Bywater, ben Bywater is out Harrison Taggart number one I'm, I'm a big fan of yeah. him I think he's going to do a, an incredible job tonight uh, but he has a huge opportunity to make a statement um, and and play you know very efficient and effective football for BYU by stepping in and taking on that Ben Bywater role. So um, despite some you know uh, some injuries, this team there there are some depth issues, but that shouldn't be an issue. Jay Hill's gonna I, I love the scheme. That's another thing that I'm learning is this scheme is um, the Jay Hill's putting these players in positions to be successful, bringing a lot of pressure, being aggressive. That's a fun defense to play in, and I think you can see that on the field with these players. So, um, you know, a lot of good things, obviously some things to work on, uh, but that'll continue to unfold as we as the season progresses. Maybe the caveat to this question is, well, we'll find out if the running game's working or if it's not, but in terms of the offense attacking the Cincinnati defense, which is very good, A-Rod said it's the best defense they'll face. It's the best defensive front that they've faced by far. He He's... he's the defensive line of the Bearcats has Aaron Roderick's attention. I can promise you on that. And look, and this is a defense that held a very prolific Oklahoma team to 20 points last week. They are very, very good. How do you expect the BYU offense to attack them tonight? Yeah, I. And first off, as I was tuning into the beginning of the of this session, I loved what Hans was talking about. With look, if you um, if you're not good at doing the dishes. <laughs> Don't do the dishes, right? Do I'm going to use this, by the way, at do, home when my wife asks me to do the dishes. Do what I'm you're, not good at it, so please don't ask yeah. me to do it anymore. You know, do what you're good at, um, and, and I think we're probably going to see that. Going back to the Oklahoma game, um, Cincinnati was susceptible to the pass. Oklahoma also succeeded through the air. They threw for you know over 320 yards, um, and, and that was one of the keys to, to their offensive success against Cincinnati. And so I... I imagine that that would be a pretty similar recipe for BYU tonight. Um, now, with that said, hopefully, I mean, my answer would, I'd love it to be a balanced attack. If they can find a way to establish the run game, that's only going to do favors for you, especially with just how, 
how stout, um, how aggressive their their front four can be. Um, a lot of times, if you've got a run game, then then you're going to keep them in check. Um, and so, ideally, that would happen. But if not, there are ways that I think with the pass game that you can actually kind of mimic the run game, whether it's quick game bub- bubble screens. Um, and there's probably going to be a lot of quick game that we're going to see that I'm sure Keaton's going to have to rely on because of how aggressive those guys are um, on defense. He's not, you know, he may not have too much time in the pocket because you know just how how aggressive they are so uh, i do expect you know to rely heavily on the pass game i have confidence in aaron roderick to to he's going to throw some wrinkles in yeah would i be surprised to see a couple of trick plays no not at all fake punt Um, possibly (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm going on the offensive side hopefully we see some offensive trickery um but whatever it takes i mean we saw how much of a, a a momentum swing that can be um you know against arkansas it was the trick play that got BYU back in the game after yeah. a 14-0 deficit and and I think you know you know won't put it past Aaron to to dial up some some things specifically for the Cincinnati defense again to just keep the momentum going but I do expect we'll see you know a pretty heavy attack through the air all right last thing um what's your number one key to victory for the Cougars tonight um I'm gonna say that's that's it's a hard question uh, to dial it down to one but I'm going to say start fast. Okay. This is, you know, in two games in a row, we've seen BYU take a, a pretty slow start, and they're constant, constantly having to fight back. Um, I mentioned this before, but it's it's taxing mentally, physically. If they can get out to an early early lead, sustain that, they're going to feed off of the energy that's that's going to be brought here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Um, it's a sold-out crowd. It's a night game. BYU does so well in these night atmospheres. Um, and so I would just imagine if they get off to a hot start, the crowd gets going, that's going to be really, really hard for Cincinnati to fight back and, and put themselves in a position to win this game uh, that BYU does so well at. Love it. Mitch, great stuff as always. We'll let you get upstairs, and we'll hear you on the sidelines tonight. Thanks, Thanks. my friend. Thanks, Jason. There we go. The great Mitchell Jurgens on the other side. You'll hear from Cincinnati Bearcats head coach Scott Satterfield. That's next on Mountain America Credit Union Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Jason Shepard. We got ourselves a Friday night cat fight in Provo. BYU, the BYU Cougars, Cincinnati, the Bearcats. It's coming your way, 8.15, and that may slide, actually, about five minutes. It may kick off at about 8.20 p.m. Mountain Time. All right, head coach of the Bearcats is Scott Satterfield. He's in his first season at the helm in the Natty. Satterfield spent the previous 10 seasons as head coach at Louisville and then before that, Appalachian State. He spoke with the media this week and gave his overall thoughts on the Cougars. This week, uh, you know, great football team, a lot of respect for years of, of, of being a really good football team. You know, for us, you know, short week, having to go out and travel out there, um, you know, so we're prepared for that. They're, they're very solid on defense. They, they made a change last year, um, new defensive coordinator um, that came in this year. They've been, they've been very solid on that side of the ball. You know, offensively, got a transfer quarterback, uh, Slovis, that we played against last year when he was at Pitt. You know, a little bit like Emory. I mean, he's been at this his third school and, and played a lot of ball. Um, very uh, experienced player, very poised, um, throws a really good ball, catchable ball. Uh, you're probably not going to rattle him, you know, anything that you're doing defensively. 
um, you know, a very solid player and really has helped them to, you know, get off on this start that they're on right now. I, I think they're just a, a very, very solid football team. You look at their, their kicking game, uh, their punter's one of the best in the country. Um, he can boom it, um, you know, so they flip fields that way, play solid defense, and, and that's how they've been winning games and, and done some great things. So another challenge for us going on the road there, you know, we're look, looking forward to that, going out and playing these guys and getting a lot of respect for what, what they do. While tonight will be BYU's first Big 12 Conference home game, Cincinnati actually played its first last weekend against Oklahoma. Coach Satterfield said that regardless of what's going on around you, the preparation has to stay the same, and that includes tonight. It's exciting, you know, to, to, for us last week to host our, our first Big 12 game and, and all the things that go around that. You know, you try to, as a coach, and we try to insulate our guys you know, as much as you can and say, listen, it's a football game. It's Oklahoma. They're great. Let's, let's prepare well. Let's go out and play well. And try not to get, you know, caught up in all that. At the end of the day, it's a football game, and we have to go try to win. And, and so that that's our look this week. You know, I mean, it's different for us. We're traveling. Uh, you plan on a short week. You plan on a Friday night. I mean, there's a lot of things that are different. We try to create the same routine for our guys, and we'll try to do that again this week with the same routine that we normally have. Uh, and, and then, you know, go out and play a great game. And, and these guys are good. I mean, you, you know, as we get into this conference play now, I mean, it's going to be a broken record week in and week out. I mean, because there's a lot of really good football teams that we have going to have to play in this league. There, there are some great coaches, some really great venues that we'll be going to play in, as well as this one. And, and then you got to go execute. You have to go, you have to go, you, know, you got to be spot on. You know, there's not a whole lot of room for error. You know, you can't make some mistakes here and there and think you're going to go win. You got to be spot on. You look at BYU last week and, um, you know, Kansas got a couple of touchdowns, um, you know, unconventionally, right? I mean, not from their offense. So, and they end up losing. I mean, it can't, you know, so BYU's going to look at that and say, we got to play smarter. We got to take care of the ball, all those type things, because those are the things that get you beat. I'm going to be honest with you. I was a bit surprised with Coach Satterfield's answer here. This is kind of one of those questions where you, you expect, like, the, the coach's answer. And it was about all four, and we've touched on this on the, the pregame show a couple of times. All four new Big 12 schools lost last week in a big in-conference play. Coach Satterfield was asked if it's important to him to be the first of the newcomers to get a victory. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's our second game in a Big 12, and, you know, we need a win. You know, we need to get a win desperately. And, and, and for them, too, I mean, you know, they're looking at you're both 0-1. You want to try to stay on the top of the, of the Big 12, and so it's a big game for that in that regard. You know, you want to you know, at least get a win, so you're sitting there at that 1-1 one -one mark in the Big 12 instead of the 0-2. You know, again, for the four newcomers, you know, one of us is getting a win for sure this week, and, uh, you know, it's certainly be exciting. It, hopefully it's the Bearcats. Yeah, I appreciate him answering that question. Again, you know what the answer is, but not all the time do you do you get an actual answer to something like that because nobody wants to have any bulletin board material and nobody wants to say something out of turn that may be, you know, taken out of context. So I appreciated him answering that contest because absolutely he wants to have that feather in his cap. And absolutely Head coach Kalani Sataki and the BYU Cougars want that instead, and it should be a fun one tonight. We will take a break. We'll come back and wrap up Cougar pregame live right after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar pregame live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Jason Shepard. 
All right, wrapping things up from Cougar Canyon. We'll send you upstairs, get you ready for the Cougar pregame coaches show brought to you by Zions Bank coming up in just a second. BYU-Cincinnati, the only Big 12 teams in action tonight. Everything else is tomorrow. Big top 25 matchup in Austin. Number three, Texas, hosting number 24, Kansas. Also, Houston will be at Texas Tech. UCF hosting Baylor. Number 14, Oklahoma, will be hosting Iowa State. And West Virginia will be at TCU. There is a top 25 game going on right now featuring a certain team in red. Utah in Corvallis tonight facing the Oregon State Beavers. That game is in the first quarter. And with 10 minutes remaining in the first, there is no score between the Utes and the Beavers. As I mentioned, coming up next is the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show with Greg Rubel and Kalani Satake. You're listening to BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar Pregame Live was brought to you by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Cougar Pregame Live is also brought to you by Tucano's Brazilian Grill. Phenomenal flavors, a festive setting, and more fun than you can shake a skewer at. Also by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. This is BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It's time to hear from the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Kalani Satake. This is the Cougar Pregame Coaches Show, presented by Zions Bank. For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. The Cougar Pregame Coaches Show is also brought to you by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires, the team you trust. Let's join Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Grubel. Good evening, Cougar football fans, and welcome back inside Lavelle Edwards Stadium on the beautiful Brigham Young University campus in Provo, Utah, for some Friday night lights, Beehive State style. As tonight, the BYU Cougars play their first ever Big 12 Conference home game, hosting fellow Big 12 newcomer Cincinnati. And a few hours from now, one of these two teams will become the first conference rookie to pick up a win in its new league. I'm your play-by-play broadcaster, Greg Rubel. I'm joined in our All-Pro Capital broadcast booth by the big man, former BYU and professional lineman Hans Olsen. And Hans, we're still in September, but this feels like a huge game on the Cougars' schedule. It's an early season contest, game five, with significant postseason ramifications. No doubt about it, and I want to get out in front of this. Regardless of the outcome tonight, nobody will understand just how good Cincinnati football is. If BYU gets the win, understand that that is a massive win because this is a very good Cincinnati team. If BYU were to happen to stumble, which they won't, remember this is a very good Cincinnati football team. They are excellent across the board. They are balanced. They're good on all three phases, and it is going to be a major test for BYU football tonight. Coming up next, we'll get BYU head coach Kalani Sitake's pregame commentary ahead of his team's battle with the Bearcats. That's straight ahead as the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show continues. For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. My pregame conversation with the coach coming up after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Cougar pregame coaches show continues. Once again, here's Greg Rubel. 
We are coming your way from Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo, Utah, as BYU Tonight brings additional meaning to Conference Weekend. It's BYU's first conference home game in 13 years with the Cougars staging their Big 12 home opener against Cincinnati on this Friday night preceding LDS General Conference sessions on the weekend. It's a sold-out stadium for BYU and the Bearcats. Big game for both teams as they each seek to avoid an 0-2 start to their inaugural Big 12 campaigns. Time now for my pregame conversation with BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. It's brought to you by Zions Bank. For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. And tonight, Kalani talks about his team taking center stage on a Friday night that represents another milepost on BYU's new football journey in the Big 12. Yeah, and really excited about being home. I mean, obviously last week wasn't uh, the result that we wanted, but we made too many mistakes for for um, for us to to come back from against a really good team. Uh, looking to minimize the mistakes, uh, I would like to eliminate them all, but uh, we know that that the, the game is is you never have a perfect game, but uh, we can overcome all the issues with with energy and effort. And the guys have been giving us their effort from the beginning. I've been pleased with with their their effort, but. Uh, we've got to play smarter tonight, and I think uh, that being at home and being with our fans is going to make them feel a lot more at ease. Whether it's coincidental or not, home night games have been really good for you and your program over the last number of years now. Yeah, it just seems like we should just keep doing that from now on. <laughs> but you know, I uh, I think I think we just feel comfortable playing here. We we've had it for so long since I've been the head coach. It seems like the the norm now for us. And uh, when I was a kid, it was like one one a one p.m. kickoff, you know. But now it's. Uh, this is how it looks, and we're probably the, one of the more West teams in, in the Big 12, so we're okay with it. We're, we love being in this conference. We're excited about the opportunities, and we're, we're excited to play this game. There has been something special about Friday nights in Lavelle Edwards Stadium, too, over the years. Yeah, and we're used to the Friday nights as well, so uh, just having the crowd and seeing the energy that they're bringing tonight, there's going to be a lot of fun. I, I think there's a lot of people here that uh, that, that want to see us start off in, in you know, conference home games of, uh, in, in a, in a, as a success, I think having the people here, uh, the, the the atmosphere is going to be really good for us. How does Cincinnati compare to the Kansas team you faced last week? Yeah, really talented. And, and um, you know, you look at how they performed against Oklahoma, who's a big-time program with a lot of athletes and a lot of talent. They, um, you know, the game was 20-6, to six, which means that they, the defense held a high-powered offense to 20 points. And they had been averaging 55 a game. Yeah, and, and so that's always difficult. And, and then, on uh, you know, for us, Offensively, we, we've got to find things and get things going in a rhythm so we can, uh, you know, keep keep uh, defenses on their heels. And then defensively, we got to find ways to, uh, you know, f- flip the turnover ratio. When we when we win, the turnover ratio works out in our favor, and it'd be nice to get some scores on on all three phases. So I'm hoping we can get that done tonight. It's an 11-man defense, but uh, how big is Dante Corleone for what the Bearcats like to do out of that nose tackle spot? I think they use him the right way. Uh, I've been around big-time D-tackles before. He's one of them. And and, uh, I think the way they're using him, the way that they're they're putting him all over the place, and they even use him on offense. Uh, He's a talent, but for us, we we just need to be assignment sound, and I think we'll be okay. Okay, back to their quarterback for a moment. Uh, You just faced Jalen Daniels. Before that, K.J. Jefferson. Where is Emory Jones in that that spectrum? Well, he's used to big-time football, so so he's he's got the poise and composure that we feel we get a huge benefit having Keaton here. Um, he's been at, in Florida and he's been, you know, at ASU. So he's been a big time environment. So I don't know if he's been in BYU before, but uh, you know, we'd like to welcome him to Provo with our fans and and get the energy, get the noise going. And I, uh, I'm not really concerned about him. I'm just concerned about what we do as a team, how we handle our assignment sound football, and if we're able to take advantage of of where we see our strengths at. 
A Scott Satterfield signature has been balanced, though, uh, between rush and pass. They do it very well. They do a great job at it, and, and they possess the ball, and so we're going to have to find ways to get the ball back to our offense and to score a lot of points, and that's that's what it's going to take tonight. Hey, a couple of personnel notes for you. Uh, you're down on old lineman tonight, aren't you? Yeah, Waylon's not going to be able to go. He's not out for the year, but he's going to miss this game. And so uh, Waylon Lapuajo, so we're going to have Ian Fitzgerald uh, fill in for him. He did in the game, in the Kansas game, and did a great job. He's had tons of experience being the transfer from Missouri State. And so uh, we're, we're looking forward to see what he can do. And, and, and so far, I've, I've enjoyed watching him with his, with his uh, mature presence there at the line of scrimmage for us. No Cody Epps tonight, correct? Yeah, Cody, well, I think the best thing is to keep him out. Uh, this week, take advantage of the bye week next week, and then get him back for TCU. Uh, you do get Parker Kingston back. He was knocked out of last week's game. Yeah, he cleared all the all the uh, the tests, just like Crew Wakely did the week before. Yeah. So, um, glad that he's back and healthy and, and ready to roll. And we're, we're, we need him. Yeah, uh, you also need uh, Ben Bywater, but you won't have him tonight. No, Ben will be missing. He's not gone for the year, but he'll miss this game. And hopefully, we get him back for TCU. I, I think. Uh, He's done a great job getting uh, Harrison Taggart and Ciala Serra and, and uh, Ammon Hanneman, those guys ready. So we, we, we have depth at linebacker, and we're going to have to use it tonight. How do you think you guys handled the short week? Oh, we're, we're used to this, so I, I don't mind us doing this, and uh, I'm excited for our guys to get I mean, coming off a loss, it's nice that you get to play a day earlier. Okay, have a great game tonight, Coach. We'll talk to you post game. Appreciate it. Go Cougs. All right, that is BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. This has been the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show. As we had to break, let's get you tonight's Ford keys to the game. They're brought to you by your local Ford stores. BYU football built Ford proud. Hans Olsen, what are your keys for the Cougs tonight? Well, there's a, a lot of good ones, but let's start right here. The offensive line has their biggest challenge yet to this moment, their biggest challenge. You heard Kalani Sitake answer your question about Don Corleone, the godfather. This three-man front is very unique. Three-man front, you go back to the Haloti Natas, or you can go back to the Casey Hamptons, the Chris Hoax and the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. That nose tackle is responsible for two gaps. He's got to step to the play side of the center. Whichever way the center steps, he's got to beat the center across his face, and he's got to get in that gap. He's done that very well all year long to this point. BYU's got to beat him to the point of the attack to, to really start to get those creases for the running backs. Number two. You're without your leading tackler, Ben Bywater. That's 32 tackles that's taken off of this field tonight. You can't go to A.J. Vompachan and ask him to do more. You can't go to Max Tooley and ask him to do more. What you do is you go to Harrison Taggart and you say, Harrison, I get it, man. You're young. But you had your time at Oregon. You had your time for your red shirt. You had your time through camp. You better be ready. The guy has blocked punts. The guy has played 70 snaps on special teams. But he's got very limited snaps across the board for BYU so far defensively. And then number three, I don't care what you do with personnel decisions at the safety position, but those guys that that are there have to be physical and they've got to be in the right spot. There's been way too many touchdowns and big plays that have broke because the safeties have been out of position. So whether it's Tanner Wall, Ethan Slade, Raider DeMooney, Crew Wakely, or anybody else, Safeties have to be on the spot because Cincinnati is going to hit some gaps. And if your safeties are out of position, like Arkansas, where Malik Moore was slightly out of position, there's going to be big breaking plays, whether it's off of a run or it's off of a toss to the flats. Safeties, Greg, have to be on their spots. Those are Hans Olsen's forward keys to tonight's game. The Cougar kickoff show coming up next. This is BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
We're getting closer to kickoff of BYU football. You're tuned to the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show. Ken Garf, we hear you. The Cougar Kickoff Show is also brought to you by Bailey's. We move with you every step of the way since 1952. Also brought to you by BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Now, let's head live to the All-Pro Capital broadcast booth. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good evening once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Lavelle Edwards Stadium for the BYU Cougars Big 12 home opener. It's BYU and Cincinnati in their third all-time meeting. These two teams got together in 2015 and 2016. The first game was on a Friday night here in Provo back in 2015. Second game in Cincy during Kalani Sitake's first season as BYU head coach. Now, seven years later, these teams meet as conference colleagues. Who would have seen that coming back in 2016? And because this game is the first of the Big 12 weekend, tonight's winner will be the first of the league's four newcomers to get their inaugural Big 12 victory. This is the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show presented by Ken Garf. Whatever your vehicle needs are, go to KenGarf.com. Ken Garf, we hear you. Greg Rubel, Hans Olsen in the broadcast booth, former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens will join us from the sidelines and in the Zions Bank end zone for 150 years of helping you succeed. Zions Bank is for you. Our Cougar Canyon and scoreboard host is Jason Shepard, booth engineers Michael Wimmer and Clark Jackman, Cougar Canyon engineers Barry Squires and Sean O'Neill. Spotters, McKay Perry. Statistician is Ralph Sokolowski. Coordinating producer is Terry South. And our control board operators are Seth Larson and James Finlayson. Ethan Arkell is our studio editor. Stats interns tonight are Juice Woodson and Jonathan Hall. You are tuned in on the new skin, BYU Sports Network, our satellite flagship, BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, our Salt Lake City over-the-air flagship, KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. You can listen in on the BYU Radio app, the KSL apps, as well as on BYURadio.org and our network affiliates in Utah and Idaho. And be sure you subscribe to the BYU Football Podcast for broadcast archives and highlights. You can also get those on the BYU Radio app and at BYURadio.org. Search sports or shows and look for BYU football. Well, through four games, BYU is 3-1. and one. It's the fourth straight year that BYU's been at 3-1 and one or better through four games. And included in those three wins is a victory on the road in SEC territory. We'll see if Arkansas can manage a winning season after a 2-2 two and two start to make that win hold up for BYU. But it was a very good win in Fayetteville. That game and the first half at Kansas, hands, I think, were very encouraging performances in BYU's first year in a power league. No question they were encouraging. But I look at a football season like a big puzzle. And right now, Greg, we have filled in the borders. We might have a corner or two filled in. And as you build that puzzle, now defensive coordinators see what you're good at. They're like, okay, Isaac Rex in the flats, Isaac Rex in quick digs. Okay, over the top with Keanu Hill, maybe over the top with Keelan Marion. Uh, okay, maybe a fly sweep in a short yardage or a goal, goal line set. And, and D coordinators start to build this picture. Kansas built a really nice picture of how to slow things down for BYU in the second half of that game. BYU now has to be ready, Greg, to make offensive adjustments to beat what Kansas did to them in the second half of that game, which is bracket and man up on Isaac Rex, press the receivers a little bit, and start to really get after the quarterback. And this defense can get after the quarterback. So it's a great start. BYU just needs to continue to evolve. Let's look for a moment at uh, BYU's 3-1 record as glass half full. BYU's already halfway 
to bowl eligibility and has proven the ability to compete with and now beat power conference competition in this season. If not for three turnovers last week in Lawrence, BYU might be sitting here at 4-0. Also in the half-full category, the emergence of L.J. Martin at running back, the poise of Keaton Slovis at quarterback, and BYU's perfect performance in the red zone, plus the play of punter Ryan Rico with the field position. D.C.J. Hill has already accounted for huge improvements over last season's defensive stats. This is clearly a much better team on defense, although BYU has allowed 30-plus points in back-to-back games, and they may may yet allow uh, some big numbers in the offensively-minded Big 12. That's glass half-full. Half-empty side, BYU's now banged up. Uh, The safety spot has been hit hard. Walk-ons start at those spots. Last week's game saw two more starters injured. O-lineman Waylon Lapuaho and linebacker Ben Bywater both will miss tonight. The offensive line was already uh, being shaken up personnel-wise, and the run game's lagging at the back of the pack nationally. Transfer Aiden Robbins and returner Cody Epps are both supposed to be featured offensive pieces, but neither is on the field these days. And BYU has turned the ball over four times over the last two games. So... Half full or half empty, 3 and one has been a bit of a mixed bag. Two of the wins were practically gimmies, the Sam Houston and Southern Utah game. Uh, the two power conference games could have gone either way. So, hands, here we are. BYU's already kind of at a crucial crossroads with the bye week coming up next. If BYU goes into the bye at 4-1, and one, I think every BYU fan would say 4-1 and one through 5. That's almost the best case, best case being 5-0, and oh, but that's pretty darn good. 4-1 and one through 5 games at 3-2. and two, BYU would still have a lot of work to do with TCU and Texas among teams just around the corner in the October road. Greg, if they start this thing 4-1 and one, and they have wins with Cincinnati and Arkansas and you can throw in the Sam Houston and you can throw in the Southern Utah game, I'm going to go down to the locker room post game. I'm going to get my wallet out and I'm going to extend Kalani myself. I'll get $50 out of my wallet and I'll say, you know what? We're going to add another year. Congratulations, because 4-1 would be an incredible start. We had preseason predictions and ideas, and that would exceed what I saw them doing through the first five games. 4-1 would be beautiful. 3-2 makes it a little bit more difficult, but I still think that there's a three-combination win between Oklahoma State, Iowa State, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. Two of those were at home, two were on the road. And I think that there's a three-win combination in there. Somewhere in those four. In those four, I think there's a three-win combination. And then I think it's up in the air with Texas and Oklahoma. Those are going to be really tough games. But TCU on the road. And TCU on the road. I think that those, some of those are up in the air and, and are still potential wins. But I do think that there's a three-game combination. Four and one. Let's go. And I don't know if you want to join me in the locker room and maybe Utah send another 20 and we get another year added on with Kalani. But it would be a beautiful start to the 2023 season. If BYU wins tonight, they would need to find only two wins in their last seven games to go bowling. And that's doable. I mean, that's, that's more than doable. You already talked about the fact you see three probably in that four-game combination you noted. So this, But this kind of becomes the, the, the swing game, if you will. If you get this game... You only need two more wins to go bowling. If you don't, you got to find three of the final seven. You think there are still three there. You talked about that. But this gives you, I think, a little leeway if you can get out of September with four wins. Well, let me tell you, if they beat Cincinnati, that tells me. Because I think Cincinnati is a better team than Oklahoma State, better team than Iowa State, better team than West Virginia, better team than Texas Tech, and probably on the same page as TCU. That's how much respect I have for what Cincinnati is doing. So not only would it add a notch, a 4 and one notch, it would be an indicator to me that they're a much better team than I thought coming into this season. 
And with a 4-1 and one sitting at five games going into a bye week, then you're starting to look at that eight-win area. Nine win, eight, nine win potential. Maybe a top 25 finish. If they can get a win tonight, I think it's an indicator of much bigger things ahead for BYU. That's how big this game could be. Time now to identify this week's E-Assist player to watch for BYU. It's brought to you by the E-Assist Dental Health Education Foundation, reminding you that dental cleanings are essential for your health. Hands, who do you have an eye on as a BYU player to watch tonight? All right, so we've made a lot of noise about Ben Bywater being out of this game. So who do you go to? You go to a freshman in Harrison Taggart. He's put together three tackles and a quarterback hurry in limited time on the field right now for BYU. Just a freshman with 28 defensive snaps this year. He's a guy that committed to Oregon. He redshirted. He was a solid transfer portal pickup. You brought him back home. He's a homegrown, home-raised hero. He was a phenom in high school. And it goes to Harrison Taggart. He has to be near what Ben Bywater was in this game because this Cincinnati run game is very powerful. So what do I want from Harrison? Harrison, play downhill. Don't be on your heels. Just throw caution to the wind, man. Play on your toes. Play forward. Play with your face mask and knock people back on their heels. Be aggressive because he came into the second half of that Kansas game and I saw him get hung up a couple of times. Don't get hung up. Bring the fight to them at the point of attack. The future is now for Harrison Taggart tonight. We'll have more of the Ken Garf Cougar kickoff show coming up. As we break, we remind you to go to BigOtires.com and make an appointment at one of 50 locally owned and operated Utah locations. Big O Tires, the team you trust. We'll have more pregame coverage from Lavelle Edwards Stadium after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show. Let's get back to Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU and Cincinnati straight ahead on this milestone sold-out night at the house Lavelle built. Big 12 home opener for BYU. Big 12 road opener for Cincinnati. Both teams kicked off their Big 12 eras last week. BYU losing 38-27 at Kansas after leading the Jayhawks at halftime. Bearcats losing at home to Oklahoma by a 26-26 score last week. But OU have been averaging 50-plus a game before being bottled up by the Bearcats. That's how good the Cincy D was last week. BYU opened as a home favorite when the week began. The Cougars became home underdogs. And now tonight have swung back to a slight home favorite at minus one. Injuries and who knows, maybe a part of that swing during the week. But most of the numbers and analytics do favor the 2-2 two and two Bearcats over the 3-1 and one Cougs. And at least the, the most obvious outward respects. There's some deeper dive analytics that show BYU does have a couple of key edges uh, in net yards per play, uh, net points per drive, things like that. The most notable discrepancy, though, is in the ground game. Cincinnati ranks 14th nationally in rush yards per game. 215 yards per contest. BYU's rushed for 244 on the year. So a a single game for the Bearcats is roughly what BYU's done for the season at this point. 61 yards a game. That ranks 127th nationally. Hands, we're now a third of the way through the regular season. It'll be very hard to move up very high in the rushing ranks at this point for BYU. But how can BYU become a better 
if not exponentially fantastic, running team in the games ahead. I consider one of the greatest blessings of my life was to be coached by an offensive line coach named Howard Mudd. He was an offensive line genius in the NFL. In, in Indianapolis. Yep, yep. With the Indianapolis Colts. They moved me from D-line to O-line, and I got coached by Howard Mudd. I loved his ingenuity. I loved his creativity. But you know what I loved the most about his him? His simplicity. And what he would say, Greg, after a game is he'd say, all right, guys, all right, I know we got some areas to fix. But this thing, we're fixing this. This will not happen next game. This is going to get fixed. So I'm going to channel a little bit of Howard Mudd, and I'm going to tell you, if I'm the O-line coach of this BYU offensive line, I am going to fix one thing and one thing first, and that is no more backside pressure. And when you're playing a 3-4 and that nose tackle is head up on the center, that nose tackle on a sweep is considered a backside nose tackle or backside defensive tackle. So you take him at the, the center of the, the, the nose at the center, you take the backside end, who's typically in a four technique. Those two guys will not bump plays and will not make tackles. Four, four technique is over the tackle. Yep. And, and this is how we're going to do it. The center is going to stay longer on the nose tackle until the guard pushes him off, and then you go up to the next level. You, at the backside offensive tackle, you're going to slash across that defensive end's face, and you're going to wall him off. And the one thing we're going to do better this week is not allow a backside tackle to get us. The same on any type of pulls. If they're pulling, Greg, you take the play side guard, and he walls off that nose tackle. Make sure that play side guard on the, the counters that come around that, the, the side that the guard's got a seal on, that he walls off that nose tackle. And get the run game going. That's the basics. They can do that. These are easy changes, and they can be fixed. BYU's run game struggles to this point have led to a stark imbalance on the offensive side of the ball. The pass game ranks are middle of the pack nationally, but BYU's total offense and yards per play numbers are dragged down by the rushing stats currently. Meantime, Cincinnati, well, they're all about balance. Top 15 in rushing offense top 40 in passing offense they equating to a top 15 in total offense now this is how head coach scott satterfield rolls over the last four seasons only one fbs program averaged 200 plus yards a game on the ground and 200 plus yards through the air in all four seasons it was scott satterfield's louisiana louisville cardinals his louisville team now he's at cincinnati and his new program is once again dangerous both through the air and on the ground. They do them both really well, Hans. Both of them really well. And the good news, BYU fans, BYU's defense has improved both in on-ground stops and through the air. Their defense is getting better, and they're giving up 130 yards per game on the ground. First and foremost, you stop the run game. You focus on stopping the run game, you get that thing sealed up. Corey Kiner will not win this game for Cincinnati. If it has to go to the air, then force Emory Jones, the Cincinnati quarterback, force him to the air. But do not let this be a slugfest. Don't let them overpower you. And I do believe they've got the defensive personnel to do that, Greg. And then it just comes down to the corners. Are you guys willing to get it done out there? Can you stick and run with some of these very fast Cincinnati wide receivers? But do not let this run get It is balanced. But if I'm going to pick a sword, a side of the sword to cut me, it's going to be the pass, taking away the run. Last week in Lawrence, top two tailbacks, Neal and Highshaw, were averaging seven-plus per carry. 
these numbers aren't those, but they're pretty darn good. Corey Kiner's at 5.8, and Miles Montgomery's at 5.6 yards per carry. Uh, and the Kiner has a couple of rushing touchdowns on the year so far. Kiner wears 21, and Miles Montgomery wears 26. A big bruising back, 22. Ryan Montgomery will not play tonight uh, for Cincy, so they're down a running back are the uh, Bearcats. Time now for tonight's Hyatt Place Comfort Zone feature. At Hyatt Place Provo, your convenience and comfort will always be our highest priority. And BYU continues to be very comfortable inside the 20-yard line. The opposing 20-yard line through four games, BYU is still perfect in the red zone. The Cougars 15 for 15 in red zone scoring. 12 of the scores are touchdowns. Dating back to last season, BYU scored on its last 24 red zone possessions. And the red zone is where Cincinnati struggles. The Bearcats have scored only 14 of 19 drives inside the 20 and only nine touchdowns. Hands, when comparing these two teams, the yardage belongs to Cincinnati. The scoring is roughly even because the red zone belongs to BYU. The Cougs are doing more with less in a way. They are, and they have to be really careful because at some point, Cincinnati might deliver the cake. They've baked about 50 cakes. Every time they get to the table, they drop it on the floor. Eventually, the cake's going to make it to the table. Don't let that be against you. Because they have had 19 red zone attempts. BYU's had 14 red zone attempts. They're getting to the red zone. If they start to put it together, that could be a real problem. So make sure that you're forcing and you're pressuring. I expect Jay Hill to be really aggressive again. I think Jay Hill comes out and says, hey, look, we've been aggressive. We've hit some big-time third play, third down plays. We've hit some really big-time pressures on second down. Let's be aggressive. But, man just watching this offense holy cow it's so unpredictable greg it's an unpredictable offense on second and six it could be anything i've seen fly sweeps i've seen dumps to the tight ends i've seen over the top attempts byu is in for a challenge tonight let's talk uh, about something we'll be saying i'll be saying in the broadcast tonight you know what a pistol formation is right it's where the center snaps in shotgun to the quarterback and the tailback is behind the quarterback that's pistol i'll be calling something called power pistol power pistol is the pistol formation with an H-back, fullback slash tight end off the hip of the quarterback. So there's a strength in the backfield. So when I say power pistol, imagine quarterback and shotgun, tailback behind the quarterback, and a fullback slash H-back slash tight end aligned off the left or right hip of the quarterback, creating a strength position, a power position. So when I say power pistol, that's what listeners should be thinking about in their minds tonight. They, they favor that formation a lot. I like the power pistol, too. I like the pistol formation because it gives the tailback an opportunity to get a run at the quarterback, a downhill run at the quarterback. I wouldn't mind seeing BYU do more of it just to try to get that downhill leverage going. When you put a big man in front of him, it's really tough. Another formation that I saw was three offensive linemen. You had the center and two guards. You've got the H-back stack behind the guard. You've got a trip set out to your right. You've got a twin set out to your left. And they run some really crazy formations. They ended up just handing that to the side back for a quick draw. But it was like a 12-yard gain because they spread the defense out. Also, number zero, Braden Smith is a wide receiver. They double throw with Braden Smith because Braden Smith, like Parker Kingston from BYU, was a high school quarterback. Braden Smith, for his career as a wide receiver, is 6 for 12 for 190 yards and two touchdowns. So he's averaging 33 yards of completion. He's a big play guy, so watch for double throws from Delphine number zero. Braden Smith tonight, a couple things to watch as we've taken a look at Cincinnati film and scouted for the Cougars and the Bearcats. All right, we're back with more of the Ken Garf Cougar kickoff show live from LaBelle Edwards Stadium after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. 
listening to the Kim Garf Cougar Kickoff Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, let's head live to the All-Pro Capital broadcast booth. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so BYU and Cincinnati coming up at 8.20 p.m. Mountain Time as the Cougars conclude their five-game September slate. BYU looking to go into its bye week with a 4-1 and one record. If the Cougs do get the win tonight, they'll need uh, only two wins, as mentioned earlier. Two wins in their final seven games to secure a postseason berth in their first season as a power conference member. Tonight's game is a, a big swing game in that respect. I think a bowl game is a reasonable goal in season number one of Big 12 membership, and it means finding at least three more wins. We've talked about this, and the most logical place to look is here at home. Uh, games against Cincinnati, uh, Texas Tech, Iowa State. These are games that Tehans mentioned as he looks for wins BYU could expect to pick up down the stretch, and none of those three teams, Cincy, Texas Tech or Iowa State, none of them has a winning record right now through four games. Cincinnati lost at home to Miami of Ohio. Texas Tech 1-3 lost at Wyoming. Iowa State scoring only 20 points a game. Those three teams become the most winnable in terms of games because they're all here at home as well. But if BYU doesn't beat Cincy, then yeah, things get uh, become a little bit tougher. But this Big 12, we've already seen hands week to week. One or two results makes you go, hmm, doesn't it? It really makes you go, hmm. And it also just puts in perspective with some of the issues that these other teams are having that BYU should be bowl eligible. And I think it is a very okay expectation for every BYU fan to say, we should at least have a family vacation at the end of this season to somewhere nice, hopefully somewhere indoors if it's not nice. We should absolutely have some type of bowl vacation at the end of this. I think that that is a fine expectation expectation to have. And I think that win or lose tonight against Cincinnati, I think it's still in play. I do. I believe it's still in play. But this, I think, would get you all but there. I mentioned Cincy's uh, home loss to a MAC team, Miami. I mentioned uh, Cincinnati's red zone struggles as well. They also turn the ball over a bit. They struggle to protect the quarterback at times. But they also have the balance we discussed, and they did hold OU to only 20 points. Plus, they had been a favorite in this game for most of the week. Hands, whether it's tonight or in any other Big 12 game, nothing can be taken for granted. If BYU is going to go bowling this season, they'll not be backing into the postseason. You earn your way in in a P5 conference. And I think that the coaching staff has to have that same mindset. It's not, well, let's let's play it this way. We'll, we, maybe we'll try to burn some clock. We'll hold possession. L- let's not get too out of bounds and crazy with our passing game. I talked about expecting Harrison Taggart to play downhill. I want these coaches to coach downhill. Mm. I want them to coach with their toe pressed into the ground looking to crush people. That's the way they need to come into this game. Not hesitant. Yeah, you, you've got to respect what they're doing. But come downhill on this team. Have that expectation that your team should out-physical them. And come in it aggressive right out of the gates. Look at this crowd. BYU fans have jam-packed this stadium. They've showed up early. It's going to be loud out of the gates. I expect fireworks, something early that puts BYU in the catbird seat. We hope it's a special night here in Provo. I called it earlier, the house that, that Lavelle built. And, and you played for Lavelle Edwards in this stadium. And, and your position coach worked under Lavelle Edwards for many, many years. His name was Tom Ramage. 
and Tom recently passed away and uh, you uh, attended services for Tom this week and I know you've got uh, a thought or two that you'd love to share with Cougar Nation about who Tom Ramage was, what he meant to you in this program. Well, number one, I wouldn't be in this booth without Tom Ramage. Number two, if I could have anybody in this booth with me right now, it'd be Tom Ramage. And it's kind of nice because I feel like he's a little bit closer to me right now. And I've really, I have really been the beneficiary throughout my life of having Tom and Winona Ramage in my life. Winona passed in February and Tom shortly after. He joined the staff in 1973 and he coached until 2001. He coached two Outland Trophy winners, including my Uncle Merlin. Merlin Olson, and I'll tell you, Coach Ramage used to tell me all the time, you're nothing like your uncle. And I say, Coach, I, I understand that. Mm. It's really hard to be in that guy's shoes. He was my coach and a mentor for five years here at BYU. And I'd like to dedicate this broadcast to him because I would not be here if it weren't for Tom Ramage. I would not have the life that I have, the path that I'm on. And there was nothing better than having him put his big old paw and arm around your shoulders. I'm sure it happened to you many times, Greg. He was such a comforting individual and a legendary coach in the way he went about his player-coach relationships. I was in Tom Ramage's home twice. Once was to, to um, meet with him about a piece of woodwork that he was going to uh, make for me, and then the second time was to pick it up once he was done. He was as skilled a wood craftsman as he was a, a line coach. Uh, he was a beautiful man uh, with a beautiful family and a big part of Cougar football for a long time, a big part of your life as you spelled out so well. And so, yes, let's dedicate this broadcast to the great Tom Ramage. Today. We, we love you, Coach, and uh, BYU, go get one for him. All right, coming up, we'll head down to field level and hear from Mitchell Jurgens as the Ken Garf Cougar kickoff show continues after this, live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. listening to the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, let's head live to the All-Pro Capital broadcast booth. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. We are a little bit past the hour. Time to pause 10 seconds for station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cincinnati out of the Friday night lights and the night time has been the right time for BYU. The Cougs have won 18 of their last 19 night games, including 15 
of their last 16 home night games. Cincy, meantime, 14-1 and one in its last 15 night games. Both teams rise to the occasion when the moon rises. Greg Grubel hands Olsen up in the booth. Let's head down now to field level and former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens. Mitch reporting from the Zions Bank end zone for 150 years of helping you succeed. Zions Bank is for you, Mitch. What a difference 30 minutes of football can make because that second half at Kansas uh, changed the Cougars' complexion a bit. That and the injuries BYU suffered in Lawrence have created a kind of a gut check opportunity of sorts here tonight. Cougar Nation and these players hoping it's one of those special nights in a sold-out stadium. We've seen BYU play some of its best football in these late-night power conference scenarios. You can't beat these late-night atmospheres here inside Lavelle Edwards Stadium. But that's that's not just my opinion or yours. Uh, this BYU team is 25-3 and three when the game kicks off past 6 p.m. Or in other words, when playing under the bright lights of college football. And Greg, I believe this BYU team is going to need to feed off the energy this sold-out crowd should bring. The Rock and BYU fans have made some big differences in the past, forcing opposing offenses into some unforced errors, um, as well as some false starts, which would be crucial tonight here again. Uh, because as you mentioned, the injury list is stacking up for BYU, and there will be some new faces and numbers being asked to make a bigger impact than they have in the past. That can be a nerve-wracking thing for a player, so if BYU can come out hot and start fast, I think these players settle in and feed off a loud crowd. Uh, this is a very good Cincinnati team, much better than their 2-2 two and two record shows, so they'll need to be ready as soon as this game kicks off here in just a few minutes. Excellent, Mitch. Thank you. Coming up next, starting lineups and the opening kick. This has been the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show, live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.